Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, you are great. You are great, and we're, uh, we're here, and, and we're just in awe of you. We're in awe of the things that you can do, and we're in awe of the things that you've done, God. And I pray that tonight, as there's, a, as there's a message that's coming from you, God, as there's a sermon that's being preached, as, as there's more worship to be done, God, I pray that everything falls on soft and open hearts. Lord, anything that you don't want to be said from this stage tonight, please just let it fall to the floor. God, we have nothing to say unless it's, unless it's straight from you. Lord, we're thankful for your son who would on the cross. In his name we pray. Amen. Y'all go ahead and stay standing. We've been uh, starting AFCs like this all semester, so we're going to finish the last one with this, of course. Um, this is called the God's Child Yell. For those of you who haven't been here, I need you to repeat after me. Do it with some enthusiasm. But also, in nature of what we're talking about in the sermon tonight, it's kind of important that we just kind of claim this right now. All right? The God's Child Yell. Are you ready? I am, I am. God's child. God's child. I, am. I am somebody, somebody. because God, God don't make don't no, junk. no junk. Amen. 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 Y'all can have a seat. Well, what's up, AFC? I hope everybody is doing well tonight. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Matt, and I get to work with the college students every week here at Aggies for Christ. And if this is your first time, you got us on our last night of the semester. I know it's a bummer. Um, we've had a super special semester. We've had a lot of great Wednesday nights. Our Sunday morning college attendance is huge. We've had some, off, uh, some awesome events. We've had some small groups that really challenge us. And, uh, and, and we've just been blown away by what God's done through this church. Now, one thing that I have to do whenever I get up here, whenever I get up here to preach, one of the ideas is that what comes out of my mouth is kind of an overflow of the walk with the Lord that I have. I don't want that to sound selfish or self-centered. It's just I believe that when God places or presses something on my heart, that's what I'm supposed to share with you. Now, some, some weeks it's clearer than others, to be honest. It really is. Um, I want to tell you that tonight is the most clear it's ever been. It's because this was a sermon that I feel like God pressed on my heart this summer. And if you walked outside today, it is no longer summer. And I have not been saving up this sermon because it's been marinating in my soul, and it's not, I haven't saved it up because it's going to be the, the tearjerker of them all. I'm saving it up, and I saved it because I'm scared. I'm a little bit, ner I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit unnervous, see? I'm nervous. I'm nervous about what you'll think of me. I'm nervous that I might let you too close. So what I promise tonight is I promise to be extremely vulnerable. I promise to be extremely open with you. In return, I ask that you be open with yourself. You don't have to get up here and let everybody else into these deep, dark crevices of your heart. It's just not something we're asking you to do. All I'm asking you for is that if I get up here and I'll be extremely vulnerable with you, that you'll do the same with yourself. Can we do that tonight? Tonight, we're going to talk about something that I know every single person in this room has dealt with or is dealing with. I know that what we're going to talk about tonight is something that affects the young and the old, the males and the females, the rich and the poor. Tonight, we're going to talk about the man in the mirror. And by that, more specifically, we're going to talk about insecurities. Insecurities and how they play a role in, uh, in harming our faith. One thing that, uh, that our church staff and, and our different ministries throughout the church has really been preaching um, to our body and to the people that come in through these doors is that we want this to be a safe place. Charlton, who preaches across the street at UCC, across the parking lot at UCC, um, he always says that this is a safe place for you to be. 
This is a safe place for us to be tonight, to be open, to be vulnerable, to be honest with ourselves. Now, it's kind of strange, because church history, church culture tells us that this is the place where we wear the collared shirt, where we press our pants, on Sundays where girls wear dresses, because that way we can put off a, a, a perception to the world that we have it all together. I want you to rest assured that you are in a campus ministry tonight, and UCC is a church that does not claim that we have it all together. In fact, it's the exact opposite. And so with that being said, I want you to know that this is an extremely, an extremely safe place. I wouldn't feel comfortable preaching this sermon if it wasn't, and so I want you to have that same assurance tonight. Because of the nature of the sermon, um, I'll just ask you guys to pray with me one more time over the sermon. Dearly Father, this is, a, uh, this is a tough topic tonight. It's something I don't really want to do. <laughs> but I know it's what you once said. And I know those people in the room tonight that they don't want to deal with their insecurities either. It's easier to sweep it under the rug. It's easier to just keep on keeping on God by praying tonight. Um, examples from Scripture point us to truth that you love us exactly how we are that we are your children. God, I pray that, um, that these words fall on soft hearts, that we're able to take our guards down, that this is the safe place that we've been trying to make it, Lord. And that we know we can leave everything at your feet and at your cross tonight. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. The thing about insecurities, I think, is that they're universal. I already said that. The, uni the universal unifier amongst all people, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, whether you come from privilege or whether you come from, this, uh, from the toughest of times where you've seen, you've seen the struggle. And I think one misconception that you might have is that, uh, is that people who preach or ministers or people that work at the church, they have it all together too. Well, I'm here, to, I'm here to squash that tonight. I'm here to squash that tonight. Insecurities is something that has been crippling me for the past three or four years, and that's why I felt like it was something to talk about tonight. Maybe I thought that when I came into this job that um, these feelings of inadequacy or these feelings of, uh, of shame and regret and insecurities, maybe I thought they'd go away too. Maybe I was a little naive. Well, they didn't. And so as a Christian man, I did something that I think we should all do when we're in times of trial. We should go to Scripture. We should see what, does exa what, is, it, what is it exactly what God says about dealing with insecurities. So I started to go through the pages. I started to go through the pages. And what I found out is that many of the men and the women that graced the pages of the Bible, the giants of the faith that made Christianity what it is today, were some of the most insecure individuals that we can find in historical texts. They were insecure. They didn't have it all together, but God used them to accomplish his plan. For example, Noah, the guy who built the ark, he had to build this giant ship and convince his family, his friends, and his townsmen that he wasn't crazy for this storm that was coming. Ah, probably made you kind of insecure. Joseph was abused and left for dead by his family. If that doesn't make you insecure, I'm not exactly sure what would. Paul murdered, sorry, Saul murdered the Christian church. And then when he had his conversion experience and he became Paul and he, he had to go to these same Christians that he was persecuting and he had to say, no, 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 I'm changed. And not only am I changed, but I'm going to be a pillar of the faith now. I'm going to be one of the leaders. You're going to listen to my letters. Pretty hard to change people's conceptions of you, right? Zacchaeus was too short, Martha worried too much, and David, one of the greatest kings that you can find in historical texts anywhere, became an adulterer and a murderer at the same time. That is hard to pick up your reputation after something like that. 
And as weird as it sounds, these stories of insecurities and inadequacy and, and, and things like that in the Bible, they brought me comfort. They brought me comfort that God could use people like this to accomplish his goal. But none like the story of Moses. None brought me comfort like the story of Moses. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. If you don't know who Moses is, he falls in line somewhere right after Jesus as dudes of the Bible that you just need to study. Okay, you just need to study about Moses. Moses had one of the most monumental tasks assigned to anybody in the whole entire Bible. Moses was in charge of bringing out an entire nation. Not, a, not an ethnicity or a race or a, or a religious um, sect of individuals. He had the responsibility of bringing an entire nation out of slavery. Long story short, the dude had a big job. It would be daunting for sure, but see, Moses had these, these, these encounters with God where God spoke to him plainly through a, through a burning bush. He used, he used miracles and, and signs to talk to Moses. It's pretty much to say, like, I know this sounds hard, but I'm with you. I'm with you. Moses was a little hesitant, and he had some, uh, he had some objections. So I want to show you some of Moses' objections. Um, we're in the first couple chapters of Exodus. This was in chapter 3 and chapter 4. So I'll show you the first one. We have it on the first slide. Verse 11 of chapter 3 says this. This is Moses talking to God. But who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Second one. You can go to the next slide. Verse 13 of chapter 3. Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, well, what's his name? What should I say to him? What should I say to them? And verse 1 of chapter 4, Moses tells God, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. So Moses, pretty much, he has three objections here. You can go to the next slide. He says, he says, number one, who am I to be given this responsibility? He says, number two, who do I say gave me this authority? And number three, he, he, he says, what if they don't believe me? He's kind of complaining, right? He's scared. This is a daunting task. And you're just going to have to trust me on these answers that I put for God's responses. They're, they're in Scripture there. He says, God answers him. He says, well, first of all, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Secondly, um, he says, when you ask him who sent you, you say the God of your father sent you. The great I am sent you. Yahweh sent you. And number three, he answers him. He says, I will give you signs to convince them. And God did. Not only did he speak to him through a burning bush, he turned his rod into a snake and then back into a rod again. He told them, he said, hey, he said, I'm with you. So up until this point, God is being pretty, pretty chill with Moses, right? He's being like, okay, like, these are, these are objections. Or he's talking back to God, whatever. But, he's, uh, but he's, he's handling these objections, God is. And he's answering his questions. He's kind of doing this thing. He, he's coaching him up. Now, I used to be a basketball player, too, or a basketball coach, too. And I used to look at my small little JV guys from Messiah Valley that had to play these big old teams. And I used to smack them on the butt and say, we got this. Go out there. We, we got this. We're okay. That's what God's doing right here. He's coaching up Moses. He's saying, he says, we got this. We got this. But it's not enough. It's not enough for Moses. All these, all these pleas, all these pleas for answers, and, and the last thing that is holding Moses up is an insecurity. Is an insecurity about himself. Not about God and who God is, that he's the great, almighty God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not about Pharaoh or some other man that might have the power to slow him down. No, no, no. Moses is concerned about himself in an adequacy within himself. Our main passage tonight comes from Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. In these verses, I, I want you guys to just 
just dive in right now as we read these verses. They're on the screen, and they're some of the most impactful verses in my life in the past few years. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your, your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. So what's happening here? Moses is giving God all these reasons why he's not the guy. I'm not the guy. Don't send me. Who's gonna, who's, who, who gave me authority? Who should I say sent me? Um, um, how will I know you're going to be with me? I'm not your guy. And, and lastly, I can't do this. I have a stutter. I'm, I'm slow of speech. Here's God's answer, one of the most beautiful in all of Scripture. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will speak and I will teach you what to say. The presence of the divine Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he, he spoke to him plainly. He gave him instructions. He gave him signs and powers to lead an entire nation. But what's holding up Moses? A stutter. An insecurity. Sounds ridiculous, right? I mean, go back and read the miracles that God was doing to assure Moses that he was with him. Go back and read it. And something like that holds him back. But God couldn't take it. God couldn't take this last little bit right here. He, he answered all his other questions pretty calmly, but then God, he kind of he snaps back a little bit. He's like, but, but who, oh man, made your mouth? Who made it? He says, I did. Who makes people deaf or mute? I do. Who, who makes people see or makes them blind? He said, it is I, the Lord. He snaps back at it. And now you have this stutter. I hear you. You have this stutter. But I'm going to give you words to speak. And I'm going to give you people in their life to help you. And I'm going to make you great among the people, Moses. And you're going to lead them out of Egypt. You're going to lead them out of slavery. Because I'm with you. And that's powerful. That's powerful language. Who made your mouth? One of the most rhetorical questions in all of Scripture, right? It's one of the most impactful verses in my life, probably ever to this point. I, the Lord, made you exactly how you are, Moses. No mistakes. I, the Lord, made you exactly how you are, Matt. No mistakes. So I promised you I was going to be vulnerable tonight. So we're to that section of the show. If you'll look up here, I have um, every single hat that I own. I have a hat on my head. I have two hats back here. It's 27 in all. My whole collection. I just gave 10 away to the thrift store um, about a month ago. To be honest, I mean, I, I like hats, I guess. I don't really have a huge passion for them, not like a collection like this would suggest. I like them. But you know what I don't like? I don't like that as a 24-year-old, my hairline is receding back like this. I don't like that. I don't like if you turn around and you look back here, I have a bald spot that's coming in. I'm, I'm 24. I don't like that. I started losing my hair when I was 21. I turned 25 in a couple weeks. I've been struggling with this for four years. No big deal, right? It sounds small, right? 
Some of you in this room would poke fun at me, right? Some of you are smiling right now, right? It's funny, right? Yeah, I know. What you guys don't know is for the past four years, I spent hours and hours and hours of my life looking in the mirror like this, trying to see if this was actually was happening. I would take my cell phone out and I would take pictures real quick and I would look at it and I'd be like, crap, I'd delete that real quick. Just seeing if this was what was actually happening. Sounds small, huh? But what you don't know is I've spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on foams, on gels, on creams, trying to stop what genetics is doing to me. Now, I've prayed prayers to God. I'm a, I'm a preacher. I believe that God hung the sun and the moon and the stars, that he made all the galaxies, that he put all the fish in the sea with the coral and the whales and the, and the ugly fish and the pretty fish, and he did the antelopes and he did the, the jackrabbits and he did the gnats and the flies. Like, I know he did all that. So I prayed prayers, kind of like these kind of little angry prayers to God, like, God, like, I believe you did all that. Like, how easy would it be for you to just give me a couple more inches, man? Just give me a couple more. Make my hairline look like I did when I was a senior in high school. Got the freshest edge ups. Got designs in my hair and everything. And, and, God, and God, I promise to not do something sinful like get a man bun. I promise. <laughs> I just want a little more fuzz. I just want a little more fuzz. I promise to do something good with it. I'm kind of angry about it. Preached 14 times this semester. 13 of those I've worn a hat. Because <laughs> I care what you think of me. Because I care what you think of me. But you know what? God didn't mess up. Not even a little bit. He made me so supremely healthy in other regards. I can pick up most things I need to pick up. My legs take me exactly where they need to take me. I don't have any learning disabilities. I'm not MBA tall, but I'm tall. I'm not rich, but I'm not, I'm not broke. I can't be stressing about something like this. My God is too good. My God has too big of plans for me. To me, for me to be spending hours in the mirror looking at what's happening to my head because of genetics. Because of a couple inches of hair in between my eyebrows and the back of my neck. My God is too big for that. So there it was. My vulnerability. Now you guys have to respond because by staying here, you said that you were going to respond with honesty within yourself. So time to be honest. Time to do a little soul searching, right? What is it for you? What do you need to let go of tonight? Because I'm leaving it right here tonight. All my hats are here. I'm going to take them home, but it's metaphorical. <laughs> I, I'm leaving it here. It's a lot of money. There's some of you in the room that this is going to be painfully easy for. Painfully easy. Matt, I've been overweight. I'm overweight. I've been overweight since I was a little kid. I struggle with my self-image because of that. Man, I'm, I'm super broke. I drive a beat-up old car. I'm embarrassed to take it anywhere. I live in this neighborhood. I don't want people to come see my apartment. It's, it's trash. I'm single. I've been single for so long. That's, that's insecurity for some people in the room. I, I've been single for so long, nobody wants me. I've been in, unemployed for so long. I don't have any skills. Nobody wants to hire me. What is it for you? 
Now, there's some other people in the room tonight where this is going to be a little bit harder. It's going to take a little bit more soul-searching. You got a full head of hair? Man, I'm so happy for you. But it can look, like, look kind of different. Does coming to church make you nervous? You don't know that much about God? Does coming to church make you nervous because your past, you feel so dirty from your past, and be like, if Matt, if you knew what I've done, you'd be insecure too about coming to church. You wouldn't want to come. This place isn't safe. I don't care what you say. It's not safe. You know, I almost feel, I almost feel worse for that group of people that doesn't have a chance to deal with it as easily. But to everyone in the room, to everyone in the room, we have got to understand that God wants to use you. God wants to use you. You got some broken pieces? <laughs> Me too. Me too. But what I want to show you right now is a video of a man that really started changing my outlook on um, insecurities. I saw this a couple years ago. I'm not going to say I was healed right away, but this video is special to me. And watching this guy's life and ministry is still kind of special to me. Now, when I turn on this video, you're gonna be, it's going to be plain to see what he's insecure about. That's the easy part of this. But what I want you to see as we take the next three minutes to watch this video is I want you to see a man that is so confident in God, so confident in what Jesus did on the cross, that his life is full of positivity and change. And he lives a pretty exciting life. So we're going to take the next couple of minutes. I hope you guys enjoy this clip. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, 1982, and my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. Uh, he answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. <laughs> and no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on, and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter, Jesus said, it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone, she came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, no one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it, it changed my life. At that moment, I knew God was ministering to her through me. It's not by my speech or my power, it was God. And my heart was ignited with a passion and it was an awesome day. 
to see one soul transformed forever. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist. Today, do not leave here unchanged. Leave here unchanged. You don't know what God can do with your broken pieces until you give God your broken pieces. And I want you to know when you fall down, God's grace is sufficient. God's hand will come down and pick you up. And give you the strength to get back up. In the first seven years of ministry, God opened up doors for me to speak 2,000 times across 44 countries on six continents, from university campuses, 40,000 students in China, to India, where we're talking to sex slaves, to crowds in the jungle of India, 110,000 people, down to Indonesia and all of Southeast Asia, to speaking at congresses of nations like Colombia and Costa Rica, where you see the leaders of that nation commit that country to the Lord Jesus. To Korea and speaking to the next generation about depression and suicide and to Eastern Europe where we did Serbia, Slovenia and Croatia. And then doors in the Middle East, the message of hope was spread throughout the whole Arab world. That is God. And we know We've just begun. You know, uh, perception is a powerful, powerful thing. When I first heard uh, Nick Vujicic's story a couple years ago, um, I instantly went from this attitude that I had been dealt this severely unfair hand for a 20, 22-year-old this, this attitude that I, it, it wasn't fair to almost an, an immediate switch of like, wow, I'm so lucky. God has been so good in my life. Almost had a little, I almost had a little bit of battle with shame that there's a guy like Nick who was born with no arms and no legs, has significantly less than I do, and yet he is a disciple that could do so much with so much less than me. So what I want to do tonight, this is the last time for the semester that we're going to be together. So what I want to do tonight is I want to give you three t tips, points, notes, whatever you want to call them, to send you into the semester, in, into the semester break. What I hope that these three, uh, what these three points do is they, I hope that they give you the most thankful, most grateful holiday season of your life. I hope you truly go into Thanksgiving as thankful as you've ever been. I hope you truly go into the Christmas season with your eyes set on what is really important. For, I hope this is just an unbelievable Christmas, holiday, Thanksgiving season for you. So we're going to go through these points real quickly, then we're going to get out of here. The first point tonight, sermon point number one, in battling insecurities, when analyzing your insecurities, evaluate the people that you're letting speak into your life. Evaluate the people that you're letting into your life. Getting through this season of my life, uh, getting through this season of my life has been um, a lot easier because of the church that I'm tied into. The church UCC is unbelievable. This community of believers at AFC, unbelievable. They've been great. They've been great. The more um, intimate and close relationships that I have, they've uh, 
They've just sincerely been loving away my insecurities. It's a special thing. But some of you don't have that. Let people nitpick you and, and get at you for years and years and years because they're your friends. You don't need that. I'm not saying disown them, but I'm saying there's a community of believers here that loves you and doesn't want that for you. Sermon point number two in battling insecurities. If your insecurities are growing, your faith might be shrinking. If your insecurities are growing, your faith might be shrinking. God has a plan for not only for your life, but his global mission in general. Okay, and he's going to get it done one way or the other. He wants to use you. God, <laughs> God is fighting for us. Now, if your, if your vision of God is restricted to Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, and sometimes when a praise and worship song comes on through your iPod shuffle, if that's, your, is that, if that's your size of God, then small things like a receding hairline, it might become really, really big. If your vision of God is too small, something really small like an insecurity is going to get really, really big. And you don't want that. And lastly, ugh. Many times, uh, many times our insecurities point to our devotions. Our insecurities point to our devotions. The fact that I worried so much about my looks means that I had such an elevated view of what people thought of me. Plug in your insecurity and you're going to find your devotion. You plug in those two things, you're probably going to find some sin in your life. At the heart of insecurities is sin within ourselves. And maybe we're putting too much emphasis on things that are creating these insecurities in your life, like looks. That's going to be a lot of it for a lot of us in here. A lot of it for people in here is going to be singleness, too. Maybe we're putting too much emphasis on being married or being in a relationship. If it's money, maybe we're putting too much emphasis on, on what people think of us based on the car that we drive or the neighborhood that we live in. Maybe we've given that too much credit. If your insecurities... When you find your insecurities, they usually point to your devotions. My biggest wish for people in this room tonight is twofold. One, that you would fall in love with Jesus, that you would know God better and fall in love with his son so deeply, so incredibly deeply. That's my wish number one. Wish number two is that that would be enough that you would love Jesus wholeheartedly and that that would be enough. That's my wish for everybody in this room. Some of us, we have such misguided emotions when it comes to this life. This life, if we let it, can be so, so sweet. So sweet. But our emotions are misguided. Our devotions are misguided. I don't want to miss it anymore. I'm letting it go tonight. I'm leaving it right here. Because he made me the way he made me so that I could bring him glory. No mistakes. He made you the way he made you so you can bring him, bring him glory. No mistakes. Um, so what I want to do right now is I want the praise team to come back up. On the hop. Zeke's going to give me that super spiritual background music. 
And what I want to finish tonight with is something kind of special. We're going to sing a song right now. This is Amber. She's going to, um, she's going to lead us in this song right now. Amber's on staff with our worship team. And we're going to sing a song right now called Brokenness Aside. I don't want you to stand up right away. What you guys need, what we all need, is a little bit of time of reflection. So we're going to take this time, a little bit of time of reflection, okay? Amber's going to lead us in this song. I want this song to bless you. I want this song to just rain over you right now. Close your eyes, bow your head, don't look around. You're going to take a couple minutes, and we're going to war with ourselves, okay? What's going on right here? What does God want to do in our lives? And then Zeke right here, he's going he's to tell us when to stand, okay? And when he tells us when to stand, let's stand and worship together for the rest of the night, okay? I hope you enjoy this time. I hope this time is something that brings closer to, to God, brings you closer to God because of this. Because whether you believe it or not, you are God's child. You are somebody. Because my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he does not make any junk. You're not junk. You're special. Your love, and he has some great plans for your life. Let's worship together. Will your 